Hello and welcome to our fourth edition of Word of Mouth, a podcast for evangelists and by evangelists. I'm your host today, Michael Horn, and I'm with a wonderful student from SLU High School in St. Louis, Nick Vanderplum. Nick, how are you doing? Pretty good, Michael. It's good to see you. Good. Good to see you as well. Uh, it's a blessing to be with you today as we just discuss your own journey of faith and your own evangelization work and your ministry just as a 14-year-old, is that correct? 14? Yes. Awesome. That's very good. Thanks so much for being with us, and we'll just conduct the interview as we normally do here, just talking about a little bit of your experience in life, and, and we'll just start with the opening question, just what has your faith journey been like so far as you've grown up in life? It's been a strange, constant motion. I, I'm a devout Catholic, but the circumstances I grew up with are anything but normal, really. It really started mostly when I was confirmed because I went to a Protestant school through most of middle school. And it was no final normal, but every so often, because I was like the only Catholic there in this entire school, I constantly had to defend myself and my uh, Catholic faith whenever, like, you know, I was questioned. I have these constant vivid memories of me having to defend myself against the idea of purgatory as well as the presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. Two, yeah, thank you, Nick. Those are two very central teachings to our Catholic faith, and we'll actually cover purgatory in the catechesis segment that we have today, so that's that's great. And it's very interesting that you have had to defend these ideas and these and these doctrines so early um, in your in your journey of faith. So it's great that you have that experience and that you have had that opportunity just to grow in your own faith and to understand that more fully and then to share it with other people. And so in this journey of faith that you described that has been quite unusual, as you said, that not many Catholics go through as they as they grow up um, in a normally pretty Catholic environment, but you, on the other hand, had to deal with, in, in a sense, kind of a, a different sort of environment and, and an environment where your, your faith was challenged. And so I ask you just with this question, as you journeyed through faith, just as a young man still, at what moment did you really encounter Christ or encounter the Lord or have an experience of our God? Probably during confirmation, mostly, because it was after that that I just kind of sat back and Jesus spoke through me, I feel. Sure. That's beautiful. It's a beautiful, short, simple, great answer. Yeah, so Nick explained to me on a different occasion just about his experience with defending these doctrines in eighth grade and in the grade school that he went to and explaining purgatory in a conversation with a friend and just how it kind of clicked through his own explanation. And like he just said, just the idea of having that experience of the Lord speaking through you and just knowing that we're not always perfect as human beings. We don't always have all the answers in our evangelization. I think that's a tendency that a lot of us have is to use it as an excuse to shy away from evangelization just because we don't always have all the answers. But it's a beautiful thing just to rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us into the truth, as he tells us in the Gospel of John, that he will guide us into the truth. And he's the advocate for us. He's the one who is sent by the Father and the Son to us to help us to know the truth. And so, Nick, I thank you for sharing that. And also, can you just tell me what your favorite part of being a Catholic is? Probably the sense of belonging, just the fact that it's all one big family. Mm -hmm. Sure, absolutely, that sense of belonging and community, that's great. Okay, Nick, just an, another question for you. What do you think is your mission, or what do you desire in your life? First off, number one thing is to support people that I know and love, like my family, my friends, just people that are maybe trying to convert to Catholicism. And that leads me into the second thing I want to do, which is to spread the Catholic faith. 
if I see a uh, if I see a chance open up, I take it. And even if it doesn't convert that person right there, then I will at least know that I planted the seed. Sure. See, another thing would probably be I do also want to clarify people's idea of Jesus because some people kind of distort this idea and it, it can get kind of weird sometimes I've experienced. So I definitely try to clarify that as to you know what the Gospels say you know, as to who Jesus actually was. Sure. It's very important for us to know who our, who our God is, who became man for us, definitely, and, and how he has revealed himself to us through the scriptures and the living tradition of the church today that we acknowledge daily. And so, Nick, in light of that mission and in light of some of those desires for your life, where do you perhaps see yourself um, working in the future? What type of field do you think you'd wind up working in? Well, with this whole evangelization, I definitely see myself in the priesthood or if not that, at least have a you know, master's or maybe even doctorate, I don't know, philosophy and theology. That's beautiful. That's awesome. It's very, very good and very a great blessing to us just to know, yeah, know that you're so on fire for the faith at such a young age. Just very beautiful and inspiring to all of us. Okay, Nick, another question here. Just, we all face many challenges and blessings in our lives, and I'm sure you've encountered the same sorts of things. So can you just... Let us know just some of the challenges that you face so far and the blessings that you've experienced in your life. Some of the challenges, I have to say, were, first of all, defending the Catholic faith. It's no easy task. It definitely takes a lot of getting used to. It was weird to me at first, but I eventually got used to it and knew how to respond correctly. And it's also, when when you hear all the different viewpoints of people that are pushing on to you, you have to, like, realize you know, what's real and what isn't. Because some people have just these completely messed up views of what's actually the truth. And you have to be able to say, no, that's not it, and be able to explain it. Sure. And, well, some blessings, I suppose, that come from that is that I was been granted to say that kind of stuff because after confirmation, I can speak with confidence now. And I'm... Definitely blessed as well, not only confirmation teaching me how to do that, but also from family experiences and different youth groups I do. Sure. And you also mentioned, too, one time when we met earlier, you you talked about the uh, inspiration that you've received from the seminarians that you see at the Boys Club, correct? Yes. That's great. So I just want to give a shout out to all the seminarians here in St. Louis at Kenrick Glennon that give of their time to uh, meet with the Boys Club and to inspire them and to help them grow in their journey of faith. So thank you, seminarians. And then finally, just in this opening part for us, Nick, um, how would you define the term evangelization in your own terms? This can definitely be a hard question, but I have to say that there are two ways I can describe it and define it. The first one is being able to defend the faith and also clarify and and communicate it to others that don't understand. And the second one would be able to show compassion and love to those that don't understand, because they won't understand you at first. Absolutely. Truth and charity and charity and truth. Very, very important. Thank you very much, Nick. And so just as we close here, this opening part, can you just talk a little bit more, let, let the audience get to know you just a little bit more on what, what you're doing when you're not explicitly evangelizing, and, and just what, do you, what are your interests, what are your passions and hobbies, and what do you like to do well, there's a lot I like to do. I'm a man of many trades. I like to build stuff with wood. I'm on the Slew High wrestling team. Let's see, I'm also in the robotics club. I love building robots. 
I'm the oldest of four children, so that's always fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's all I can think of right that's now. That's great. That's beautiful. Thanks, Nick. Okay, so you can just take a breather for for the for the moment here. We're just going to talk a little bit about an element of Nick's faith journey and story that has certainly been important to him and to all of us as Catholics, and that's the doctrine of purgatory. So that will be the topic of our catechetical segment today, just the idea of purgatory, and a lot of the information that we'll cover today is from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, as well as scripture verses that denote purgatory and that refer to it, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, and then also just some beautiful prayers that some saints have left us about praying for the dead, and a beautiful homily from St. John Chrysostom. So as we begin, just purgatory is also known as the final purification for us after we die. And so from the Catechism, paragraph 1030, it reads, All who die in God's grace and friendship, but still imperfectly purified, are indeed assured of their eternal salvation. However, after death, they undergo purification so as to achieve the holiness necessary to enter the joy of heaven. And so the Church gives the name purgatory to this final purification of the elect, which is entirely different from the punishment of the damned. And so as we as we think about purgatory and just the, the final purification that we experience, it's just to be purified and to be made ready completely to see the face of God and to enter into the joy of the blessed in heaven as we gaze upon our Lord for all eternity. It's a doctrine of the Church that's always been taught but certainly has had conflicts arise about it, but I think it also stems from a general misunderstanding of the doctrine, and so the catechism can be very helpful. So I direct you, just if you'd like to look into this a little bit more, paragraphs 1030 and 1031 are definitely helpful with the doctrine of purgatory. The Church has formulated her doctrine of faith in purgatory mainly at the councils of Florence and Trent in our history of the Church. The tradition of the Church, by reference to certain texts of Scripture, speaks of purgatory often as a cleansing fire. So as this purification, it's a cleansing fire. And Paul writes in his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 3, verses 11 through 15, he writes, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has been laid. That foundation is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, the work of each builder will become visible. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each has done. If what has been built on the foundation survives, the builder will receive a reward. If the work is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. The builder will be saved, but only as through fire. And so Paul uses that image of fire several times in this passage to illuminate the truth that it is a purification process, just as gold is refined in fire. And so we as Catholics believe that before the final judgment, there is a purifying fire, He who is truth, Jesus Christ, says that whoever utters blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will be pardoned, neither in this age nor in the age to come. And from this scripture reference, we understand that certain offenses that we commit on earth can be forgiven in this age, but certain others only in the age to come. And some, not at all, is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, as as our Lord tells us. But that certain sins and, and the attachment to sin will be purified after death sometimes for us as we die, if we die in the state of grace but still have to make amends for our sins. And finally, just uh, one more catechism quote um, from paragraph 1032 on purgatory, that it's based on the practice of prayer for the dead already mentioned in sacred scripture. And so we have this excellent reference from 2 Maccabees chapter 12, verse 46, and it reads, Therefore Judas Maccabeus made atonement for the dead, that they might be delivered from their sin. 
And so we see early in in history, in, in early in salvation history, that the Jews would pray for the dead, and that Judas Maccabeus made atonement for the dead, that those who had turned maybe against the Lord in death, that um, he would pray for the atonement for their sins, and, and that they would be purified and, and freed from their sins so that they could enter into heaven eventually. And so from the beginning, the church has honored the memory of the dead in liturgy and has offered prayers for them, above all in the Eucharistic sacrifice, so that thus purified, we may attain the beatific vision of God. The church also commends our acts of almsgiving, indulgences, and works of penance that we undertake on behalf of the dead. And it even goes as far as, the church goes as far as to acknowledge praying for the living and the dead and praying for the holy souls in purgatory as the seventh spiritual work of mercy. And so we have the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. And so the seventh spiritual work of mercy is praying for the living and the dead and praying for those souls in purgatory. And then just to close with two Beautiful quotes and prayers from two excellent saints. First, St. John Chrysostom, a homily that he wrote on the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. He wrote, Let us help and commemorate them, them being the dead. If Job's sons were purified by their father's sacrifice, why would we doubt that our offerings for the dead bring them some consolation? Let us not hesitate then to help those who have died and to offer our prayers for them. And finally, this beautiful prayer that we can pray every day. I, I love to, to pray this prayer before I go to bed just for the holy souls in purgatory and for all those members of my family who have passed away. And it's a prayer of St. Gertrude the Great. And sh- this prayer is, Eternal Father, I offer thee the most precious blood of thy divine Son, Jesus, in union with the masses said throughout the world today for all the holy souls in purgatory, for sinners everywhere, for sinners in the universal church, those in my own home and within my family. Amen. So that concludes our catechetical segment on purgatory as we continue our wonderful interview today with Nick Vanderplume, a freshman at SLU High, who's involved in robotics, wrestling club, and also just constantly doing evangelization work and spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, defending our faith and sharing it with others beautifully. And so if you have any other information or questions about the Catholic faith or the doctrine of purgatory, I also encourage you to visit our website um, at archstl.org. If you um, go to the page for the Office of Lady and Family Life, there's evangelization tab on the left side that you can click on. And also from that there, you can see that there's a box to ask any questions that you might have about Catholicism, about our, about our beautiful Catholic faith, especially those doctrines that maybe we don't know a whole lot about. And so I encourage you and invite you to visit that site and just to ask a question to me that I'll respond in 24 hours to you about that, just if there's any evangelization question or apologetics question that you have that's kind of stirring in your heart or that you're confused about a doctrine of the Church. And I'm happy to answer those questions for you, just that, that you may know the faith more clearly and may know what Jesus Christ teaches and what the Church teaches. So as we wrap up today with Nick, we just would like to have your final words, Nick, on practical advice that you'd like the listeners to hear today just on evangelization. So how would you view evangelization for the audience here today and any high school students that you're, that you're going to school with or just any person in the archdiocese? What, what do you have to say for us as we continue to work to evangelize? That's a hard question. There's a lot that goes into different stuff. So there's several different pieces of advice I could give, but to save time, I'll narrow it down to three. The first one, this is, in my opinion, the most important, is that you can't get angry if someone doesn't understand your way. You have to give it time because 
whoever I talked to, I didn't, they didn't immediately become Catholic because I simply explained purgatory to them. I was satisfied knowing that I planted that seed in there so that if they became challenged, they might fall back to that and remember the time I told them about this and start to realize the truth. The second one I have to say would be, if you don't know something, don't be afraid to say, I don't know. Say, I can't respond to that. And just that night or when you come home, just look it up in the catechism. Or you can look it up online. There's plenty of online catechisms these days. So mm-hmm. just look it up on there. And then when you go back, you'll be able to answer that question because you'll know by that point. And the third thing I have to say would probably be just trust yourself. Even if you haven't been confirmed and you've been questioned about the Catholic faith, just take it easy. You know, don't like immediately start thinking, what should I say? What should I say? Just kind of start responding and God will just speak through you. Now, don't just like blindly fall back on God but the, and try and know this stuff. But at the same time, don't overthink this. So that's my practical advice. Thank you so much, Nick. Thank you for your time today. It's a great interview and certainly good to see you again. And I just invite all our listeners to continue to check out our podcast, Word of Mouth. And this is our fourth episode today with Nick. And we've had three previous ones with some pretty good material. And it's just a pleasure to continue to interview people in our archdiocese that feel this beautiful call to evangelize, to continue to guide other people into a relationship with Jesus Christ and to defend the faith and to, and to show others the beauty of the Catholic faith. And so I'm your host, Michael Horn, and today I was with Nick Vanderplume from SLU High, and it was a great pleasure to be with you, Nick. Thanks for coming out today, and we'll see you next time for Word of Mouth. God bless.